Hello and welcome to this special edition of the FT Advisor podcast. This week we are examining the future of responsible investment regulation at a time of constant change. I'm David Thorpe, Special Projects Editor and FT Advisor. This podcast, which is sponsored by Royal London, comes with 30 minutes of CPD and has three learning objectives. First of those is to understand the current regulatory environment for responsible investing. The second is to explain the direction of travel for the regulation of responsible investing in future. And the third is to describe how the SFDR definitions are impacting investments right now. Joining me to discuss these topics are Ryan Medlock, Senior Investment Development and Technical Manager at Royal London and Independent Investment Commentator Adrian Lowcock. Thank you both for joining me today. Ryan Medlock from Royal London, we'll we'll come to you, I think, for the first question. SFDR has been introduced in the EU, but as a result of Brexit, has not been introduced in the UK at this point. And I, I think there's some... Uh, there's not been very much clarity, unsurprisingly, about whether it will come to the UK in any form. But in its absence, what is the current regulatory environment for responsible investing and how does that uh, interact with, with what you do at, at Royal London? Yeah, thanks, David. So, uh, yeah, as you say, I think, it's, I think it's important to clarify that SFDR, uh, you know, in the EU, it, it wasn't onshored into the UK, but the FCA... You know, they've announced they're going to introduce new rules, uh, which are very, very similar. And obviously, that will go through the usual FCA consultation route. I think from, from an advisor perspective at the moment, there definitely seems to be a lot of concerns around getting caught up with greenwashing. So I think for some advisors, you know, they might have found it hard, you know, to say in, in introducing um, sustainability-based questions in the fact-finding process, for example. So, you know, I think definitely regulatory guidance would be appreciated. I think there's a general feeling within the advice community that perhaps moving too soon could perhaps land you in hot water. But we are starting to see more firms integrating responsible investment into standard um, advice processes, which you know is absolutely the right thing to do in, in my view. So you know whether that is introducing specific questions, client questions that is within the fact finding stage, whether that's introducing responsible investment considerations within the prod target market analysis work or due diligence or, or, fi- or wider fund research. Um, we, we actually car- at Royal London, we actually carried out some research a few months ago that actually uncovered that only 10% of advice firms haven't embedded responsible investment in any shape or form as yet. So obviously, I think that, that there's a renowned urgency around that piece now. Um, during COP26, so it's a finance day at COP26, um, we, we, we saw the FCA publish a discussion paper. So this is 21 slash four. Within that paper, it explicitly hints at what's coming. It doesn't actually provide much detail, but there is that clarity. And I think that clarity is going to be essential against the backdrop of the increased client awareness that we're now seeing. And in terms of providers, it's not just Royal London, but you know every, everyone else across the industry, I think we all have a really, really important role to play in supporting advice firms. So whether that is uh, help around the question set, 
that advisors can use with their clients, whether it's basic education on the different responsible investment approaches, or whether it's, you know, general just being transparent and, and using appropriate labeling and, and, and disclosures within material. I think all of that can be used to help support the advice community. Thank you. Adrian, from your point of view, 2021 has seen the introduction of, for example, suitability questionnaires for advisors, which now must include responsible investment type questions. How has this impacted provider behaviour in the wider market and uh, perhaps fund buyer behaviour? Yeah, I, I think it's a it's an important step, and as as, as Ryan mentioned, you know we've got to we've got to take this um, uh, and engage with it, um, and I think that's that's probably what's sort of flagged up for the advisor side is is actually they've now got to take start taking it more seriously. They can't just ignore it. Um, I think the big challenge for uh, in terms of um, uh, advisor behaviour is that it's going to be quite mixed. You'll get those that you know buy into it and 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 engage with it, and and you know take action to actually learn more about ESG themselves and therefore can have a more informed conversation with their client base. But then I think on the other hand, you've also got, you've got to think about what that end client base is um, and actually what their interest level in, in ESG is. Because, you know, to some extent, this is coming from the from the government and the regulator and and, and filtering down to, to the client, particularly depending on sort of their generation. So, you know, I, I've sort of seen a lot that sort of says that, the clients are actually asking the advisors what their view on ESG is, not not giving them their own view, or they're very you know perhaps to describe it very old school and and you know don't see ESG as as an investment issue. Um, so you know sort of more it's a an exclusion thing rather than a ultimately a governance thing, which fundamentally drives profits and you know, good investment decisions. And I think and I think that's going to be the learning for for advisors is actually understanding that this is a long-term change and actually is fundamentally important for the advisor because it's fundamentally important for the customer, their clients, uh, to make good financial decisions. So I, I think it's going to take a while, but it will raise up that there's a gap there to fill for advisors in terms of training and education. Ryan, you mentioned in your in your earlier uh, comments around SFDR being EU legislation. I mean, is it a number of providers with, with whom I've spoken have, have talked about how because they market funds in, in Europe, they have a, a score under SFDR, they have a rating under SFDR, and they're just using that as part of their marketing material in the UK as well. Is there a potential for SFDR to become the de facto standard measure in the UK as well, whatever the regulatory outlook is? Yeah, so I mean, as we know, I mean, SFDR hasn't been onshored into UK, and you know, the FCA and the Treasury have published proposals for the UK's own version in sustainability disclosure requirements. So SDR, um, another acronym, um, as well as the UK's own labelling regime. Now, that regime will eventually become the de facto standard measure. In the UK. But I think it's really, really interesting and actually really positive that the UK is planning to have direct mappings to SFDR. Now, obviously, the SDR and the investment labels, which, which the FCA has, has, has proposed, they're all still subject to consultation. And, you know, it's going to be a while off yet in, in, in terms of when all of that would be implemented. But I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see how that develops and, and, and the further overlaps that you'll have 
with SFDR. But I think regardless, SFDR will remain a very useful measure. Adrian, how do you generally view or or how can an advisor generally view uh, sort of ratings and criteria, whether it is this SFDR scoring of funds as eight or, or nine or, or obviously other numbers or or the ratings provided by by third parties how 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 should one think of those how do you think of those well i think the first thing to do is is what is the regulation there for and what's it trying to achieve so a lot of it is effectively to formalize the classification and issues that that exist under esg and in particular climate change and and try and address the paris agreement so it's there to to sort of make actually advisors and research analysts jobs easier and it's also there to help protect against greenwashing. Um, and I think that's a fundamentally very big issue for advisors and something they're very concerned about and understandably so. So from an advisor perspective, you're very much trying to, you should see it as something that a tool there to help you make informed and educated decisions and help you avoid uh, traps and being misled and going down the road. And it also helps you uh, understand the, 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 the broader issues that are around ESG um, and climate change and, and, and other, other environmental issues. Sorry, what was the other half of your question? The ratings that are there now, as you say, the, re- yeah. the regulatory environment is designed to sort of, I suppose, formalise what's out there. But how do we view what's out there without the regulation? How, how can one view it now? Is, is, you know, is, is what's out there now very subjective? Uh, depending on who the who the provider is, is is that how one should see it? And perhaps what regulation does is make it less subjective. Yeah, and, that, and that's the same is to make it less subjective. Although you know, I think we're still at the the start of this because a lot of things are still very much inclusive or exclusive, and and you know they they for example fossil fuels is often you know just deemed as exclude excluding. But you've got to look at context of how a fossil fuel may or may fossil fuel may be used. Um, and you know what what the wider contribution to society is for that that fossil fuel. So, it, I think the, the the regulations are there to provide insight and information, and to give people the choice whether to include or exclude themselves. It helps with building benchmarks that can be used uh, for people to track it. It helps with defining and and describing funds. Um, so instead of just any fund being called ESG or or sustainable or responsible, help clarify what all those things mean. And I think that's really good for an advisor who's then got to, I think the important thing is, they've then got to take all of this and then explain it to their clients. And that's the challenge. I think regulation is actually necessary because this is a very complicated area and it's evolving as well quite quickly. It will create initially a bit more work for the advisor. Um, It creates a training requirement for the advisor. But the long-term result is the advisor will be given better tools and better information and resources to be able to communicate to their clients about why they're talking about it and why it's important. Ryan, as we've discussed, these um, SFDR definitions have been introduced and they're being used by many providers. How does that impact investment decisions and made at the at the fund level or the portfolio level if we have these more formalised acronyms or, or regulations? The general feeling is that the, the EU have done a pretty really good job with the, the, the SFDR definitions. I mean, obviously, you've got three very broad buckets and you know when they talk about article six article eight article nine they're very clear to understand and very effective you know, not from a not from a client perspective admittingly and you know i i do think you know they could potentially be open to interpretation in some areas some solutions particularly funds like sustainable transitioning funds for example 
naturally, you could argue that they sit somewhere between an Article 8 investment and an Article 9 investment. So, you know, they're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But I think the, the good thing about the definitions and, and how the industry is, is, is sort of working with those definitions is that they, they tend to sidestep defining criteria. And, and what they do is they provide very clear buckets and provide consistency, which is obviously really, really good. And I think it's really, really positive that the FCA are proposing that the UK's labelling regime directly maps to SFDR. And I think that is going to ensure a much needed consistency going forward. Thank you. And Adrian, you've, you've discussed how this increased clarity would, would, would help, I suppose, advisor understanding and, and customer understanding. From an investment point of view, what, what, what impact do you, do you think it would have and um, if it's very clear cut at the regulatory level, whether something is is corresponding to regulation, would you expect that to have an impact on fund performance or fund uh, selection uh, further down the line, or indeed on the performance of individual asset prices of of particular equities, etc.? If they're if they're seen as not being able to correspond to a nine or an eight or a six on SFDR, for example. Yeah. So I mean, if you take yeah, yeah, if you take what's going on in Europe, I mean, the 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 primary driver behind this is to get money flowing into the right areas from a uh, climate change and ESG perspective. So you know, long term, if they're successful, then you get more money flowing into it. I think there's there's always going to be short term swings back and forth uh, because you know markets will have a short term vote on on things, and you see as the oil price rises. The, the the big oil giants share prices performed so short term you'll still see those swings longer term for me this isn't just about whether or not you invest in ESG or climate change funds or or responsible investing funds but there is a, a structural shift that will underlie everything you know and, and that comes back to the advisors uh, questionnaires um and it comes back to the education that we we, we we're starting to see come through a need and and a cultural shift across society that we'll see actually generally a shift towards more esg friendly uh, investments so you're seeing it in it, it already happening um and i think that will just continue it might not accelerate but i think it will you know, because we're still at the the foothills of this, really, but it will continue and it will be integrated. So, whereas ESG more broadly is now effectively being adopted across all fund groups uh, by and large, and I think you'll see the responsible the, those who focus on the responsible investing side. You know, they they will get they will benefit because they will effectively get a, a bit more of a rubber stamp and a li- little bit, le- you know, they, they, they'll have the opportunity to prove that they're not greenwashing. That builds confidence amongst investors. Um, and then more broadly, there'll be far greater financial benefits from supporting um, or addressing climate change issues, carbon carbon issues, that sort of stuff. So I, I think it's quite a broad sea change over a longer period of time. And I think, you know, the financial benefits in megatrends, they tend to be realized over time rather than in the short term. But, you know, even looking back, you know, companies that were using responsible investing have tended to deliver stronger performance and the data is starting to really support that as well. So even before all of this came in there, companies that behaved responsibly and did the right thing tended to have better outcomes. Uh, Ryan, you mentioned um, in your previous answer, uh, I think a recent FCA discussion paper which urged the UK to basically match the, the EU 
legislation on this. Uh, could you elaborate on, on that paper and, and then more broadly on where you see the future uh, direction of travel for regulation of responsible investment funds uh, coming from? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to, to touch on the paper, firstly, I mean, we, we, we had a good indication of, of, of what was going to be coming in this paper due to the, 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 the Treasury's roadmap on green finance, which was published earlier in this year. But basically, the, the, the paper outlines a number of proposals for the sustainability disclosure requirements. So looking at um, new disclosure rules, so that covers consumer-facing disclosures. It covers more detailed product and entity disclosures. You've got proposals around the new uh, labelling regime. So obviously, we've touched on that in a couple of previous answers earlier. Uh, in, in terms of the investment labels, the, the FCA have proposed five broad buckets, which map to SFDR. Now, obviously, this is a discussion paper. Um, you know, responses are due back to the, the regulator by January. They're looking to consult in spring 2022. So there's still a long way to go in this yet. And I think there's still a lot of questions around some of these buckets. But very, very briefly... The buckets, um, you've basically got one bucket, which is effectively maps to Article 6 of SFDR, so a, a product with, which has no sustainability credentials. Bucket two is a responsible bucket, so something that would broadly map to Article 8. And then what the FCA have actually done, they've actually proposed three different buckets for sustainable investments. So having one bucket, which is a sustainable transition solution, which would map to Article 8, sustainable aligned which would be an Article 9 in the SFDR, and then sustainable impact as, as a separate one. And again, that would map to, to Article 9. So, yeah, I think there's, there's, there's still a lot of questions in there, particularly you know, when you look at that, where do ethical slash exclusions-based approaches fit in to, to, to one of those five buckets? It's, it's not immediately clear. And I think there's still a lot of questions around um, you know, splitting sustainable investments into those three broad buckets. But that is that is the main proposals within that paper. Uh, and almost, you know, most, most importantly, from an advisor perspective, that there's some paragraphs in there which talk about how the regulator, with the backing of the Treasury, is exploring um, ways to introduce sustainability-based rules for financial advisors. So, you, you know, there's going to be some specific rules coming which effectively force advisors to embed sustainability considerations within existing advice processes and take into account their clients' sustainability preferences within the suitability assessment and effectively mirrors what has been implemented in the EU. But as I said, this is all going down the usual consultation route. So I think um, there's still a long way to go, but it's really comforting and really positive to actually have some clarity around the direction of travel with this. Adrian, do you think that we still are at the point where we need greater clarity to help advisors and their clients understand what is meant by various terms in the ESG ecosystem, such as sustainable investing, responsible investing, impact investing? And as Ryan touched on in his answer, how do we treat those products that are, are really focused on, on exclusions only? And then more broadly out of that, where, where do you see the, the next phase of ESG regulation taking us? Yeah, I, I do think there's still a need. I think to some extent, the, the sort of regulatory and I think those who are at the, co you know, at, at really in the heart of, you know, managing ESG funds and, and re really engage with this, you know, are, are probably further down the road than, than the wider industry. You know, and I've spoken to in the advisor community and the direct 
direct to to client community and you know there's still a lot of not a, a lot of misunderstanding there and it's really you know the, the reason being is a lot of it's boiled down to how each platform or or ifa reads and interprets the, dif- the different definitions but it is coming um you know i think there's a lot of work that has been done you know even three years ago we probably wouldn't have had so much knowledge about responsible and sustainable investing and it would you know so so there's a lot of progress already been made and i think that's quite good i think the the challenge in terms of where the next set of regulation comes in i think you know some of that realistically you're probably going to have to introduce uh, required exams and qualifications because it is it is a big area it needs training it needs formal education to, for for the advisor so that they can they can get underneath what is a is a a fast moving and developing but also very big area and and when you get you know do some of those qualifications you read the drivers behind it it's far far reaching as well you know, it, it doesn't just it isn't just about ethical investing at the client level. It's also about the, the, the you know, financial stability, you know, what what's behind it and uh, human longevity as well in terms of the population over over generations. So so it is huge. And I think the advisors, they will actually welcome that as well, because I think, you know, part of the issue and part of the resistance is not knowing where to start on some of this stuff and, you know, fear of fear of getting it wrong. And as I said at the beginning, I think, you know, one of the big issues also I think clients are going to look to advisors for guidance on 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 understanding this space. It's not necessarily going to be driven by the client. It's going to be driven by the advisor, albeit the fundamental issues are driven by wider society. Ryan, I just thought to, to finish up with just um, get your thoughts on that specific point around does the market need greater clarity on the meaning of terms such as impact investing, responsible investing, and the point that you made earlier around how to treat ex- products that are exclusionary only is that is that something that you think could could be part of the next phase just making it much more prescriptive uh how how each of those uh, terms is used yeah definitely david i mean obviously we've we've, we've got the regulatory proposals and in, in, in the pipeline and and, and that is going to provide a lot of clarity to an extent but as, as i said you know it, it's still going to be a while off until you know those proposals see the light of day and you know as it stands right now there is no industry standard in terms of the different terminology being applied um, to, to, to talk about the different responsible investment approaches. And on top of that, you've, you've got people right across the industry. And I'm not just talking about the advice community. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about uh, people within, within the actual people within the industry using terms interchangeably. So you've got people talking or referring to ethical solutions when really they're referring to ESG integration techniques. You've got people talking about ESG funds when they may be talking about sustainable or maybe impact style solutions. And obviously today, there's been a number of initiatives to try and address these issues. So, you know, it's over a couple of years ago, uh, the Investment Association actually published the industry's first ever industry framework on responsible investment. And, you know, that looked to introduce terms for the more common responsible investment approaches and they provided definitions as to what those approaches actually meant. You know, you've got things like the spectrum of capital, which has been used um, you know, more commonly recently. Uh, and, and and so on. There's other initiatives as well. And I think it's it's really important. I definitely encourage the advice community to familiarize themselves with the terms and definitions within these various initiatives. And I think 
you know, by doing that, that can help support clearer and more consistent client conversations. But I think key to that going forward is, is the regulatory clarity. And as we've touched on uh, a few times, it's positive that we now have that clarity. And it's going to be positive when we see the light of day. Thank you for that, Ryan. And thank you to Adrian Lowcock, Independent Investment Commentator, and Ryan Medlock, Senior Investment Development and Technical Manager at Royal London, for your thoughts today. Just before we go, the learning objectives from today are to understand the current regulatory environment for responsible investing, explain the direction of travel for the regulation of responsible investing in future, and to describe how SFDR definitions impact investments. Thank you all for listening. Thanks again to my guests for joining me. And thank you to our sponsor, Royal London. And do remember to tune in to the next edition of the FT Advisor podcast. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.